Welcome to a special Labor Day interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Timonini. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of talking to one of Broadway's most talented and genuinely wonderful human beings, Tony nominee Rob McClure. Of course, when the COVID-19 pandemic forced Broadway to shut down, Rob was in previews as the title character in the new musical adaptation of the iconic film, Mrs. Doubtfire. We talk about the show and what it will mean when they finally get to return, what Rob and his family have been doing during the shutdown, and this coming Sunday's special 20th annual MCC Miscast Gala. Rob will be one of more than two dozen Broadway luminaries to appear and perform many singing songs that they normally would never be cast to sing. Rob will be joined by Norbert Leo Butts, Heather Headley, Isaac Powell, Robert Fairchild, Joshua Henry, Ingrid Michelson, Lauren Ridloff, Adrian Warren, Beanie Feldstein, Leslie Odom Jr., Nicolette Robinson. I have a feeling that those last two are going to be doing something together, call it a guess or a wild hunch, I don't know. Philippa Sue and the original stars of Hairspray. The event will happen on MCC's YouTube channel at 8 p.m. on Sunday, September 13th, and will be available to stream through Thursday, September 17th. In the show notes and on broadwayradio.com, we will have Rob's social media information, links to MCC's miscast page, and videos for the miscast type performance that Rob references in our conversation, as well as the conductor cam episode that we go in-depth on as well. Also, I will include a link to the April 2018 episode of Tell Me More, in which I spoke with Rob and his incredibly talented wife, Maggie Lakis, about touring with Something Rotten. Now, with all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Rob McClure. Thank you again for doing this. Uh, MCC Miscast coming up on Sunday the 13th. Like, that seems like uh, quite uh, something to undertake in the confines of quarantine for sure for sure and, the, and that's becoming a, it's becoming a whole thing with in terms of trying to create content for uh you know for whether it be theater companies trying to create content for their subscribers or shows trying to maintain interest it's it's hard asking people to you know accompany them you have to be your own <laughs> your own accompanist <laughs> your own your own props person your own lighting person your own sound person so um, man, we are missing uh, the rest of our brilliant professionals who usually make our job so much easier than it is because doing it by ourselves is not easy. No, I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, fortunately, you have some folks at home who can help. I mean, are, are Maggie and Sadie helping you yes. uh, prep yes. as well? Yes, Maggie. Uh, Maggie has played many, many off-camera characters <laughs> uh, <laughs> as have I for her. But uh, yeah, we we usually have a strict no acting in the house policy, but the quarantine has, has definitely broken that rule. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so what is that? Like, no, like practicing together. Cause you guys have done so many shows together over oh, the years. Oh, for sure. It's just very, very funny. We tease each other. If like, you know, if you print out sides for something and you've got to be reading, uh, you know, obviously when you've got to record a, an audition or whatever, you do what you got to do. But we always tease each other if we see you reading and then all of a sudden you're making like facial expressions while you're silently <laughs> reading to yourself. Like, hey, I caught you acting in the living room. No acting in the living room. <laughs> I love um, that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, this quarantine has has, has broken every uh, every rule. I mean, I can't remember. Uh, rarely do I like belt out singing in my own home. It feels bizarre to uh, to like full out sing in my house uh, is something that is just uh, uh, necessary uh, in this time to just try and um, 
keep going and keep creating and um, keep audiences engaged and and keep doing the thing that we love to do. How has your daughter taken to that if, if you don't do it very often and now all of a sudden you're belting things out? Has she liked that? Does it scare her? How does she deal with that? We usually, we usually have to organize it around her naps and she remarkably is able to sleep through them. Oh my Lord. Um, yeah, we try and go as far away from her room as possible <laughs> and, then, and then do it. But but she she has sort of like terrifyingly taken a knack to like, you know, she'll watch Blue's Clues or she'll watch, um, you know, Sesame Street. And I, I, we actually showed her the clip of we were watching She Loves Me that they were airing on PBS. Mm -hmm. And we watched uh, we showed her the song She Loves Me. And at the end, he sort of like throws his hat on his head on the button. Yeah. Well, now she will take any hat in our house and on the button of old McDonald, put it on her head. So, oh. so we're, so essentially we're screwed. You're in trouble. She's, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, but literally nobody hearing this is surprised at all. Like between you and Maggie, like it, that's not a surprise. We're, we, I promise we 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 have not been trying to instill these values. They seem to be in there. Uh, yeah. They're, they're genetically encoded in. Yeah. We, in we, <laughs> she's got no shot yeah yeah well okay so i think if correct me if i'm wrong but i think is this your first miscast it is you know uh, bernie telsey uh, who i just adore um has been asking me to do them for a long time and it and i was either out of town on tour or i it, it just hadn't worked out yet and um he reached out um and asked me to do it actually when the intention was to still do it in person sure yeah, yeah. um and uh and, and I said, uh, I wasn't sure because I knew that the Mrs. Doubtfire schedule was going to be insane. And it was actually scheduled for our opening night. Oh, uh, the, uh, the, the day, I think it was the day. Yes. It was the day off after opening. Wow. And I said, Hey, listen, I know that it's going to be insane leading up to opening and then performing on the night off. I, I fear for the audiences in that following week, if I don't take that Monday off. Um, and he was gracious and understood and was like, well, we'll figure out a time to do it. Then COVID happened and everything, you know, hit pause. And then he reached out and said, hey, any chance you'd want to reconsider if we try to do something digital? So I jumped at the chance because it's something I've wanted to be a part of for a long time and it's just never worked out. So you haven't been able to do it in the past, but this is obviously one of the cornerstones of the spring season for yes. a lot of theater fans. Do you have a favorite miscast performance from years uh, past that somebody else did? There are so many. There are so many. I mean, um. Uh, Leia Sol when Leia Salonga did Why God from oh, Miss Saigon, that one, I don't know. There's just something about her. She's such a legend and she's such an icon and um, and sort of a, a force of, of kindness, you know, and, and light in our industry. And getting to hear her sing a song that's been sung to her hundreds of times, um, but never came out of her mouth was so thrilling to hear. Steph Block doing What Is It About Her from Wild Party. Mm -hmm. Um uh, Jen Colella singing Everybody Says Don't. Um, there, uh, Mandy Gonzalez, when Mandy Gonzalez did Waving Through a Window. Uh, uh, what's the other one I was thinking of the other? Oh, when Katrina Lang did If I Were a Rich Man and mm -hmm. accompanied oh, herself yeah. on the violin. Come I was on. there for that. I was there for that one. That one was amazing. Come yeah. on. Just remarkable. It's just remarkable. And it's so much fun just to get to see people who under any other circumstance wouldn't get to take a swing at these songs. Uh, just knocking them out of the park. It's so much fun. And even though you haven't done miscast before, you've done 
uh, quote unquote miscast songs in concerts and cabarets and stuff for years. I mean, I've, I've seen some on, you know, online and stuff. Is there anything that not necessarily to give away what you're doing on Sunday, but like, is there anything that you've done in the past that you've really enjoyed doing that you normally wouldn't get the opportunity to do? Yeah. You know, uh, there was one circumstance that I wrote uh, a medley of songs that I would never, ever, ever get to sing. And it was actually for Rod, the puppet character in Avenue Q. That's the one I've Uh, seen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In my concerts, he does sort of a like fantasy leading ladies medley. Uh, So Rod gets a chance to live out his Broadway leading ladies dreams. But simultaneously, so do I. So (laughs) in that way, I get to sing, you know, part of your world and defying gravity and people and somewhere over the rainbow. And um, but songs I would I I, under any normal circumstance, not only would I not be able to sing, but songs I shouldn't sing. (laughs) But in those circumstances, uh, getting it, you know, Getting the chance to uh, unabashedly uh, go for it is is what it's all about, and it's just so much fun, and and it's such a uh, it's such a great idea, and and in a way, it's kind of like a celebration of each other, you know. Yeah. If you, if you're if you're singing a song that was made famous by someone who is very much unlike you, uh, there is some somewhat of a tribute aspect that goes into like, well, I'm going to sing this song that I know this other person has made. Uh, legendarily famous, but I'll just, you know, I, I'll give it my best shot. There, there's something that uh, honors each other in that in uh, that spirit as well. Yeah. And that that same year that Katrina did, if I were a rich man, I think it was I, I hope I don't screw this up. I think it was like Jeremy Jordan saying she used to be mine while Sarah Bareilles was on stage. So that's kind of things yes. of like paying tribute to people, well, especially when they're there is so cool. Yeah, yeah. And it. Um, I, I remember uh, similarly when Mandy Gonzalez did Waving Through a Window, she put yeah. on a cast and Ben Platt, who was sitting off stage, came on stage and signed the cast for her before she sang. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, yeah, it is. It's, you know, uh, the, the Broadway community has maybe half a dozen events throughout the year that bring us together in a way that help us celebrate one another. And this is certainly one of them. Well, it, it's not apples to apples by any means, but... In Mrs. Doubtfire, it kind of is a miscast uh, performance, whether for you or for Daniel. I mean, it's you're kind of getting into that mindset of doing things that normally a, a man of a certain age should not be doing. How how hard has it been for you to kind of think about the fact that what the ramp up will be like when you realize, OK, this is the date that we actually get to start planning to come back? What is that? roller coaster both mentally and i assume physically vocally you know yeah. been like for you knowing that we don't know when that light at the end of the tunnel is going to come but we assume that it's going to come eventually yeah and it, it it you know it's been such a roller coaster to think about because in the beginning when this first happened it was do you remember when they you know we stopped on yeah. uh march 12th mm-hmm. and the first announcement was like april 5th remember that remember that optimistic <laughs> get yeah um so so all of us were like oh let me run my lines like let me let me run let me run lines let me sing through these songs let me uh continue to think about my quick changes and uh so that when we dive back in we dive back in and i remember initially our producer saying something like well we'll we'll put you know, we'll put a day of rehearsal. We'll expect a day. We'll, we'll expect a day of rehearsal for every two weeks we're away. Well, now we're at another full rehearsal process. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I do anticipate there being another, you know, pr- uh, pretty rigorous rehearsal process. The one thing that will be a little ahead of the game on is tech, provided that there aren't rewrites. That there yeah. is one thing about 
going away during previews is that anything that the writers felt a little crammed on wanting to make changes, they suddenly have more time to to work on. Um, but we were, oh, yeah. you know, momentum was building. It was it was the worst possible time for something like this to happen just because it was it was such an exciting time. But, um, you know, the, the world had other plans. And, and all I keep thinking is that when we do come back, uh, I hope we've used this time to become better, better people, better society, healthier society, more equitable society, and, and in a way that we wouldn't have been able to to be going about our regular lives. And I, I just hope people are using this pause for, for some introspection and some action um, so that we can come back better. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where because of the nature of not just the, the the world of theater, but society as a whole, everything is go, go, go. You don't have time, whether it's in a script or in, you know, making personal and societal changes, you just don't have time necessarily to put in the work. And, and now yeah. people have those opportunities. Has there been any conscious things that you and, and Maggie have done while we've had this breakup? Have you tried to do anything, you know, personally to, I don't know, learn something or change something? Have you read For more? Sure. Or have you gardened? Anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been writing a lot. Um, I, I, there's a, I, I've been working on a novel for a long time, but there's one aspect of the novel that, uh, you know, with what's going on in the world right now, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm writing for characters of another race or I'm writing for characters of another gender, or I'm writing for, it, it, there is a responsibility now, uh, and that should have always been there to educate yourself and to, um, to bring in advocates of to to advise you so that you are responsibly telling stories about people who don't identify with your own experience and um you know one of one of the things i did on this quarantine that i that i truly cherish is joining the NAACP um oh, wow. I, you know a, a lot of people have been um you know um uh, advocating for uh donations 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 and i agree that's that's so important um, but actually joining the NAACP, it was it's it's um, it's relatively inexpensive. You could do an annual membership. And uh, the one thing I love about it is that my inbox is flooded every day with reminders that this is an ongoing uphill climb for equity among, you know, races in this country. And um, it, it will not let me become complacent. You know, those emails in a, you know, in a year, they'll email me and say, Hey, do you want to renew this membership? Um, and I will. And, and it's about just staying, staying in the mindset that this is not over to not get comfortable when, when the world returns to a general normalcy, whenever that is that, uh, that we don't forget about this, you know, this struggle because the people who are the victims of the struggle certainly don't forget. So, so we can't forget either. Yeah. And I know that one of the things that and this is obviously a very small part of this at the beginning of the quarantine, you were doing these great conductor cam videos that were huh. some of the funniest things that I've, I've seen <laughs> forever, let alone just during this quarantine. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think the last one you did after a, an appropriate pause when, you know, all of the protests and everything were happening, happening, yeah. you did one that really kind of brought light to this. Um, and you, like you were talking about brought in, the voice and experience and lived experience um, of somebody else. I mean, and that kind yeah. of is, is very emblematic of what we're talking about, of of trying to to learn and not just think that because we haven't experienced, at, experienced it as white people, that it doesn't actually exist. 
Yeah. And I, I you know, the as I was doing the, the conductor cam thing, it started out really as an attempt to entertain Alex Brightman, who anytime I was backstage at Beetlejuice <laughs> and I would conduct along with our conductor, he would laugh. And I, I've always admired conductors. I've always thought they were funny and had a wonderful eccentricity and artistry. And um, and it would make him laugh. So I did the first three or four just to make Alex Brightman laugh. Well, it turns out <laughs> a lot of people are uh, into conductors and the conductor camp. So it, it exploded. And then, you know, Ahmaud Arbery happened and Breonna Taylor happened and George Floyd happened. And I thought, I can't just keep making these little trite comedic things. Um, I need to be leaving room on social media for the voices that deserve amplification right now. So I just stopped. Um, and then I started to think, you know, this, these, these things are getting millions of views. Is there a way that I can pivot this to amplify the voices we should be hearing right now? And um, I partnered with this, in, uh, this incredible female black conductor um, from the Memphis Youth Symphony named Kalina Bovell, who also happens to be a brilliant published poet. Yeah. Um, she's and, got quite and, the resume, quite the resume. Oh my gosh. She, she is extraordinary. And, uh, we partnered on, on what I thought was a, a, a really, um, a really important message just about, um, surrendering your platform to voices that, that deserve one. Um, and, uh, it was a privilege to work on and I, and I was able to bring together a lot of uh, artists of color who who just inspire me and, and educate me every day. Yeah. The, the reveal at the very end of that video was, I mean, the whole thing was moving, but the reveal of all of those ragtime voices was, uh, yeah. was, was really, really powerful and moving. What was the feedback like, um, from that specific video? I mean, I, I know you yeah. got great feedback from the whole thing, but specifically that one. The thing I loved most about it was that um, it was about Kalina. You know what I mean? It was about Kalina Bavel yeah. and and, uh, and and the message that she was trying to communicate. Um, so while I appreciated everyone thanking me for, for using the platform, I was thrilled that the attention was going to them, which is really was was the whole point of it. Uh, it was the that the attention went to Kalina's message and Kalina's poem and those all those extraordinary black artists at the end of that video who really contributed to the creation of it. And, you know, I, I said to them, you can do whatever you want. You can sing, but you don't have to sing. If you want to dance, if you want to play an instrument, if you want to speak, however you want to express yourself. And what they, what the videos they ended up sending to me to edit together were just astonishing. Um, part of me wants to just post each individual one because in the montage, it's certainly moving and thrilling to hear all put together. But when you, when you sit these artists down and you say like, Hey, play along on your violin, but play whatever you want. Uh, you hear their artistry shining through a, a song you've heard a bunch of times. It, it just sends chills on the back of my neck. They're just such brilliant artists who deserve uh, who deserve the spotlight in their own right and uh, are just I was it's a privilege to lift up those voices. Yeah, that, that was definitely a special one. And I, I love that this came from you. <laughs> trying to make Alex laugh because I actually remember there was a video and I don't remember who posted it. I feel like it might've been Autumn Hurlbert posted a <laughs> video of you conducting, I guess during a sound check oh my from gosh, the yes, I something rotten that. video. And I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I mean, and it, it felt very <laughs> Chaplin esque in the way yeah. you were doing it. But like, so when these con conductor cam things happen, I was like, I've seen him do this before. Yes. Yeah. It, it was really born out of, I mean, I've, I've been obsessed with conducting since I was a kid. I used to, when I had no idea how to conduct and I still don't claim to necessarily know how, <laughs> but I used to, uh, 
I used to like take a pencil and I would listen to my cassette of the Lion King movie soundtrack. And there's that great piece of music they wrote for the stampede that. And I would close my eyes and conduct an orchestra in my head, waving a pencil around in my room. Um, just cause there's something about the like Fantasia Mickey Mouse shooting music out of his fingertips ness <laughs> of, of conducting that I've always thought was so, you know, just majestic. I, I just, I think it's such a cool art form. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to bring it back to miscast because yeah. like you said, this is one of those things where it's, it's a, it's a cornerstone of, of the theatrical season. But like you Truly. said, because it falls in the middle of, um, you know, opening season and, and it'll lead up to the Tonys. A lot of times you don't necessarily get to either see it if you're not there or a lot of these people are doing shows that you don't get to see. So while not all of these people were necessarily slated to be doing shows in the spring, this is an opportunity for you and for all of us to maybe see some performances that we wouldn't normally get to. Is there anybody that is on this list that you are especially excited to see? And I know we're not spoiling songs because that's part of the fun of Miscast. Yeah, yeah. But like, is there anybody... Um, that's going to be performing in this that you're like, oh, I don't know what they're doing necessarily, but I know whatever it is, this is one's going to be really one to look out for. Heather Headley. Always, Heather always Headley. in everything. Yes, always in everything. I, I got to do Into the Woods with Heather Headley at the Muni. At the Muni, yeah. Um, and I was the baker and she was the witch. And the amount of um, inspiration and innovation that she brought to the witch um you know, it, it, it was so reinvented and so uniquely hers that I, I will watch her do anything. Uh, so the idea that she's going to that she's going to, you know, reinvent a song that we've heard before, but never sung by someone like her is is I can't wait to see what she does with it, because she she is a master of reinvention. I remember one of the things she did uh, for Into the Woods is she added a, a, a question mark to the line. Uh, she said, um, uh, there, there's the line, uh, I'm the witch. I'm what no one believes. I'm the witch. You're all liars and thieves like his father. And she went, I'm the witch. I'm what no one believes. I'm the witch. You're all liars and thieves oh. like his father. And I thought, Ooh, that, man, did that, that have some stank on it? Um, it, <laughs> it just was so vicious and wonderful. Um, and, uh, it, it's that type of attention to detail that makes her the brilliant artist that she is. I can't wait to see what she does. Yeah, and I know she has all these careers in television and, and recording and all that stuff, but like, man, do I want to see her on the stage more often? I know, I know. I remember going to see, I saw her in Aida three times. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it's just, I mean, th those are the type of performers that anytime I walk into a rehearsal room and suddenly I'm acting opposite the eyeballs of somebody who I have cherished for Show a long yeah. time. It's just it's one of the wonderful privileges of working in this industry it are those weird moments, even when if it's a reading, OK, for the next 29 hours over the course of the next five days, you're going to get to sit at a table across from so and so. And it is I remember doing a reading of The Cherry Orchard with John McMartin oh, and wow. uh, and just watching him play the, the butler in that and just sobbing in the corner. Uh, you know, you, you just, I, I am such a fan of this industry as much as I work in it. And, and I, you know, I certainly miss doing Mrs. Doubtfire and I, I cannot wait to do it again, but I also miss seeing shows. I miss being an audience member. Um, and I, I just can't wait. It's, um, 
it brings, you know, it's the exact thing that we're all craving right now, right? It's shared, mm-hmm. connected humanity. And it's the one thing that we're not allowed to have right now. So the fact that MCC and, and Bernie Telsey and are, are finding ways for us to, you know, scratch the itch until we can have the real thing again it, is wonderful. But I can't wait to be in a room with real people uh, and, and doing the thing we all love to do. Yeah, I I think that anybody hearing this and myself included, that's something that it, it feels like it's just out of reach. Like it's something like we know is tangibly coming, but you just keep grabbing at it at the dark in the dark and you just can't get your hands on it yet. But it's going to be yeah. a, a special. I can't imagine the first time, you know, the lights come up on Mrs. Doubtfire. What an amazing experience oh that's going to oh be. My, oh, my gosh. I cry. I cry imagining it. And Mrs. Doubtfire has a um, has a wonderful monologue at the end of our show um, in a moment where she's responding to a question from a kid, mm-hmm. uh, a, a kid named Katie. And uh, and the line um, the line is um, all my love, puppet. You're going to be all right. And the idea that I on opening night, whenever we return, will be able to look out at a full Broadway audience and say, you're going to be all right in the warm blanket that is Mrs. Delphire. <laughs> wow. um, I, I, it, it makes me really emotional to think about it because that character is all about warmth and all about comfort and all about nurturing and redefining family and um, holding each other up and loving one another and finding ways to connect. And um I, the the stage door for the show was overwhelmingly emotional to begin with, but on the other side of this thing, when everybody just needs a freaking hug, <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, Miss, Mrs. Dalfire is literally a, a two and a half hour hug, and I, I just can't <laughs> wait. Yeah, there's other. I've thought of other things like like that when like Glinda comes down in Wicked and says, "It's nice oh. to see me, isn't oh it?" God. You know, and stuff like that. Or Andre <laughs> oh De Shields comes out in Hades Town and just looks at the Come audience on. and says. All right. Like those kind of things. Like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about how amazing it'll be to actually be in an audience again. That's it. That's it. Because it's the it's that it's it's that people are really there. If if theater wouldn't exist, if screens cut it. Right. Yeah. There's some there's something heightened about it. Not only that there there are real people sitting beside you and in front of you, but things like in Mrs. Doubtfire, when when I when I change from Daniel into Mrs. Doubtfire in 18 seconds in front of the audience, <laughs> when you're watching that movie, you know they yell cut and he goes to a trailer and has five and a half hours with makeup and costumes, right? But in our show, when I've got 18 seconds, I've got 18 seconds. And the reality of that is what raises the stakes and makes the audience lean in and participate in that storytelling in a way you can't do in other mediums. And that connection with an audience, that shared experience in telling that story and uh, that the gigantic mirror that we hold up to the audience and that they hold up to us, that shared experience of being human and that shared empathy in a world where everyone has their feet so p- firmly planted in their own points of view. Theater shatters that and goes, what might it be like to be someone else? And I cannot think of something the world needs more right now. Yeah, there's I've watched a ton of these online concerts and events and, you know, and obviously Hamilton on on Disney Plus and all that stuff. But yeah, and those are great. And those those yes. those scratch and itch 
that we have right now. But it's it, you're absolutely right. It's it's not the same, and there's something special that we are missing and desperately need right now. So I'm very much looking forward to someday, knock on wood, getting back to that uh, in in the hopefully semi immediate future. We will, and 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 the second curtain dries again. I'd love to come back and chat with you about how uh, profoundly move, uh, profoundly moving it is to to be back. I look Absolutely. forward to it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, I don't know if you're. I'm assuming you you're recording the MCC stuff, so I won't say good luck for that. But yeah. good luck in the the recording of all of that. And I'm very excited to see what it is that you do. I will say my um, my home uh, was definitely used to its maximum okay. capacity okay. <laughs> and right. that um it is something that i cannot believe they invited me to do and something that i have wanted to do since i was 15. okay all right yeah. we're, we're about the same age so i can try to ballpark what happened at the time i was around <laughs> 15 16 years old so all right I'll, I'll put my thinking cap on but thank you again for this um give our best to to maggie and sadie and uh looking forward to uh, whatever it is that all of you come up with uh, on Miscast here on Sunday. I so appreciate it. And um, thank you, Matt, for, for um, just championing not only this event, but the community. And we love you for it. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll hopefully talk soon. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.